Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Security Squawk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Horning. I'm here with Randy Bryan, Reginald Andre, and Ryan O'Hara, the usual suspects of the show. Welcome to the show, boys. Another week. It's what? The week of June 13th, just so you have a reference of, of time if you don't know when this was recorded and you're listening. Um, so we're going to get into a lot. We're going to talk about a bunch of things today. Um, how are you guys doing? Everything going good? Good. Yeah. We're burning up down here in tech. Oh, sorry, Andre, go ahead. Oh, no, just uh, coming back from vacation. So uh, glad to be back in um, in South Florida. I was just going to say we're burning up in Texas right now. It's been over 100 degrees like for a week. Yeah, your, your um, heat wave's coming up here in a couple days. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> It's been this hot this early in the summer. We're, we're going to probably have 100 days over 100 degrees, which is really hot. Is I'm hot. good with anything up to like 95. And after that, I'm not sure, man. <laughs> wow. All right. So glad you guys are doing well. We got a lot of talk to talk about today. And Randy's got to cut us short in, in about 45 minutes here. So we'll try to fit all this into a, a good 45-minute show like we usually do. So we're going to talk about some ransomware stats from May. We're going to get into a ransomware attack on a Arizona hospital. Um, why paying the ransomware puts a bigger bullseye on your back. Uh, we're going to talk about this Hello XD ransomware and what they're up to and some tactics that we're seeing with new tactics that we're seeing with that group. And then we're going to jump into a pretty big attack on a pretty popular um, project management, document sharing, document repository. If you're a user of Confluence uh, you're and you run your own server, you need to be patching your server if you don't know that. But we're going to talk about how widespread the uh, attacks are against the vulnerability that exists within that server and what's happening around that at the end of the show. So before we jump into it, Randy, we're going to start charging for the show, right? So let's every let everybody know what, what we're going to charge <laughs> to listen to our show. Yeah, our uh, our fee is not mon monetary right now, um, so that's good. Also, um, we don't have ads or sponsorships. Um, the The fee for the show is that you will like and comment on it wherever, whatever platform you're watching it or listening to it. But also, if you would push that share button, copy the link. And take that link and go post it on Facebook, go post it on Twitter, wherever you do your social media, TikTok if you can. But bottom line, share, comment, um, and like, and that's what helps us get the word out, and that's our feed for the show. He is right. So remember, pay the fee. We don't do this out of our goodness of our heart to not get this stuff out there to the people that need to know about it, right? So, all right, so... May had some interesting. We're in the we're in this kind of the second week of June here. Cyber analysts are looking over what happened in May, and we're just going to kind of summarize what happened in May. Now, ransomware overall, the reported ransomware attacks are down. Um, you know, we should not take any feel good. You know, we should not feel good about that because number one. One of the things that Ryan and I were talked about, talking about in the green room is how much longer it's actually taking for companies to come out 
and admit to this stuff. So, you know, we might not hear about all the May attacks until almost well into July. Uh, that seems to be kind of the timeline now is like four or five, six weeks later, we're learning about companies that get hit with ransomware. So that's one thing. And we've also noted on this show multiple times that the release of this information um, seems to be getting slowed down significantly. And we attribute that to cyber insurance uh, lawyers who are breach coaches, uh, usually in these events, getting smarter about how to handle these situations, right? If you're in the news, imagine the leverage an attacker has if your attack is is in the news. When you're not in the news and it's not getting any press and not many people know about it, that's less leverage. So that's why we're starting to see this. In the early days of, of ransomware, especially when the big payouts started to be uh, asked for by these cyber criminals, we saw this thing hitting the news within 24 hours from companies, from internal leaks that were coming out, right? Because people didn't have incident response plans and they weren't testing them. And now we have companies that are doing this. So people are more aware that I don't run to the news. I don't answer questions. I don't run on social media and basically say I'm, I'm locked out of work, you know, on Twitter and Reddit. Um, where guys like me who who study and research this stuff, this is where we find this information. So, you know, keep that in mind as we go through this, because I don't think anybody should feel good that ransomware is is down, you know, in April and in May for two consecutive months, because there's a lot of reasons for this. That's just a couple of them. And we're going to talk about, you know, what are some other reasons you guys are seeing as to why ransomware could be down in the month of May. Um, well, I think to your point about the the disclosures and, and people going through their attorneys now, you know, we, we're also not seeing as much as we had been of the you know version one, version two, version three of these stories where not only were they getting in the news, but they were getting into the news multiple times. You had the first story where, yep, we had an incident, but nothing was, was hit. Then the second one, well, yeah, some data was hit, but not very much. And then, you know, usually you get to the third and fourth version of the story where you find out how impactful it was. And we're not seeing those anymore. Um, so I, I think they're starting to realize, you know, I, I, there's a little bit of both. I think there's, there's, hey, we need an incident response plan. We didn't have one before. That's why we just threw all this information out there. Um, and two, they're realizing you, know, you don't want to be in the news that much. So like maybe get out all of the details in one story and then move on as opposed to having to have to keep updating and being in the news several times. Yeah, I, I can't imagine, like, I remember the UHS hack specifically because I remember how botched that was from a PR standpoint on a couple different levels. And and I'm just, you know, it just blows my mind, like, how, how bad that one was versus what we're seeing today. We're not really seeing those types of mistakes anymore. Um, which is which is good. You know, people are, are maturing and they're understanding that, you know, this has to be handled a certain way if you want to survive it with, you know, little damage. So so I threw up here the evil corp. Right. I wanted to kind of talk about this is one of the reasons why we're seeing a downtrend in May. Right. Because this is what's happening kind of out there in the world. So um, I don't know who wants to pick up on talking about this, but Evil Corp is basically one of the largest ransomware groups out there. Um, and they're kind of shifting. It's saying they're shifting to lockbit ransomware to evade sanctions. So what does that mean? 
They're muted, dude. Oh, <laughs> embarrassing. Um, Lockbit is a ransomware as a service. So basically, they realized you can do better working together. Um, and so switching to a ransomware as a service means they don't have to develop all that stuff in-house. They can use their skills for other things like getting into the networks and, you know, dealing with people trying to get into networks, all that stuff. Um, and let let uh, Lockbit handle the uh, the ransomware uh, because it's ransomware as a service. It's basically like um, ransomware as a service is just when someone else handles all of it. They can even handle the negotiations. Um, they can handle the money, collecting the money. Um, so it takes a lot of the overhead off of the criminal organizations and basically puts it out as a service that someone else is taking care of. Yeah, so Evil Corp used to have their own ransomware. Right. They were good. This was one of those kind of old school school groups. They were good at getting in and they and they had their own ransomware to deploy. So now they're just taking the we're good at getting in part and then they're they're shifting, you know, the ransomware to Lockbit because of sanctions, because when companies go and pay, they're more less likely to pay or they're less likely to use the fact that like, Hey, look, if we pay you, uh, we're going to end up breaking federal laws here in the U S and we're not willing to do that, you know, in order to, 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 to pay, to pay you. So to get around that they're now, which is probably a Russian based group that they were sending money to, they have moved that piece of it to another company. Uh, and that's why we wanted to talk about this, because it takes time to, to coordinate all this and to move all of this and for all this to happen. And once they do kind of have this relationship and they see it is working, look out. That's all I got to say, because we're, these are the reasons we're seeing a downtrend. It's not because they stopped trying. It's not because they, you know you know, businesses have all of a sudden caught up with cybersecurity and they're doing all the right things to prevent these things. Those are not the reasons, number one. These are the reasons. We're giving you them. That there's, there's movement going around with these groups and they need to, you know, it's going to take them time to get back to the point where they're, you know, efficiently deploying ransomware on companies. It hasn't stopped. It's just gone down a little bit, but I don't I don't think that trend is going to continue whatsoever. And that's kind of what we're here to kind of tell people and educate people on is that these are the reasons that these things are happening. And I can think of one other reason why this is happening. I don't know if you guys have any other ideas that you want to share, but um, um, mine was kind of along the same lines because, you know, we talked last week that. Um, there's so many government interactions here, you know, the sanctions like the article you just mentioned and, you know, them going after criminals and all that kind of stuff um, that they're moving towards business email compromise, a.k.a. BEC is what the cool kids call it. But basically, there's other ways. That one's a little more personalized um, and it might be more suited to some of these uh, groups that are really good at getting in and manipulating people. Um, but that's, an, you know, just another reason right there. Um, there's, they're just following the money and they're going to also, they're going to go where they can get the most money with the least amount of resistance. One of the yeah. other things we talked about last week too, was, was not only are they changing their methods, but they're also scaling down. So some of these really large 
uh, groups are breaking out into into smaller groups, and you know, there's some time that that it takes to do stuff like that as well. It's a cat and mouse game because whatever whatever the mouse is getting caught over today, the mouse is going to change and get away, and so the cat's going to have to change. So the cat will start catching the mouse. So the mouse got to change again. It's just going to go back and forth, you know, until we are done talking about this, you know, whenever that is. Never. So. <laughs> you know, Never. also, too, you know, what the, the first article talked about data collected. And as we talked about, a lot of times the way you collect data about a ransomware is being via the news. So now that less people are talking about it, it's not like if you did get a ransom where you're going to your FBI office or you're calling the local police where they're taking these statistics and then making it public. So yeah, data collected is because you're looking at the news just like everybody else. And because it's less news, therefore the 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 um, statistics show that it's less, but it's not really. It's just, you're not talking about it. Yep. And uh, the public sector, uh, municipal governments were one of the largest, uh, most affected by ransomware uh, you know, sectors uh, out there. Um, I know we covered the one in Somerset County, New Jersey on the show, um, but there was a bunch more. Um, I even know of ones in my area that never even made the news for the most part. Pretty sure that happened if it wasn't in late April, it was in May. Um, and then uh, IT is, is another big uh, group. IT companies are another big one that's being, uh, being attacked. I know that there was a large... Um, web hosting company out in Oregon that was attacked and it ended up affecting like that Ruby receptionist service because they couldn't answer phones or look up customer information because they used this company um, that got hit. And then the agricultural industry for some reason is also a major target along with healthcare. So um, we're gonna jump into kind of that right now because we have a, another hospital. It seems like hospitals just like I mean, it's tough for hospitals, right? It's hard for them to keep that hush-hush when they get hit, right? So unlike, you know, an accounting firm, you know, they're not really providing a, a massive public service, right? Where well, you they, can they've got the similar problem to the manufacturing vertical is is they've got a lot of equipment that's that's computer-driven that you, right. you, know, you can't just replace the operating system without replacing the entire piece of machinery or piece of equipment that they're using. Yeah, plus I also look at it like you got you have the public can just walk in the door of the ER, right? And and you know, people are gonna tell them like we, we can't even check you in right now because our systems are down because we got hit with ransomware. You know, and that's kind of how unfortunately hospitals have to kind of deal with this. It doesn't take long for one patient to find out before, you know, somebody's calling the news and now you have it in, you know, the news. So um Andre, what's going on at this hospital out in Arizona? Yep, so we have Yuma, Yuma Regional Medical Center based in Arizona. Um, they are reporting to um, their patients that between April 21st and 25th of this year, and keyword, prior to file encryption, a subset of files were um, taken from their systems, including names, social security numbers, health insurance information, and um, limited medical information of current and former patients. So um, now they're saying, of course, we're taking steps to improve our security now that we've been attacked and we'll provide complimentary uh, credit monitoring to anybody that um, 
that we sent this list to. So um, going back to that keyword, prior to file encryption. So um, again, they're holding information, plain text, where if someone gets into their system, it seems that they're just leaving their patient information just out there without, without any type of encryption, which is horrible for a hospital. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, and that, that, this is kind of why I wanted to talk about this particular incident is because I know we say this on the show a lot that, you know, attackers can be in there for hundreds of days, 200, I think the average is like a couple hundred days. I know it's getting shorter and shorter um, because they're getting more efficient at what they do, but you could have somebody in there stealing data, you know, moving it to a cloud sharing service, moving it to um, their own servers for for months, you know, before they deploy ransomware. Ransomware, ransomware is the last thing that happens in these types of events. It's because they know they're going to get caught or they're, you know, it's they are looking for 10 other ways to make money off of your data before they decide to deploy ransomware. And I want to make sure that people understand that. When cyber criminals get in your network, the first thing they're looking to do is see how big of a footprint that they can get a hold of. Because the more uh, computers that they can encrypt, the more they're likely to get in a ransom demand. But in the process of, of going through and figuring out, can I get the 10 computers? Can I get control of 20? Can I get control of 100? Can I get control of 1,000? In that process, they're looking for for things that they can exploit along the way, and that's how this goes down. It's I think a lot of people think that somebody breaks in and ten minutes later they deploy ransomware, and that's not at all what happens. Anything else you guys want to add on this one? Goes back to uh, so this this article is is from today, and and it's a disclosure from late April. So going back to our first discussion. Mm-hmm about May not having as much, you know, that remains to be seen still at this point. Yep. So it's 700,000 patient records were exposed, right? Is that, yeah. is that, is that accurate? So, I mean, that's, that's going to be a pretty, those of you out there who are not afraid of HIPAA, uh, we're going to find out in probably six months to a year, how, how bad HIPAA is going to come down on this, on Yuma, yeah. especially if they were encrypted, right? And I just want to throw out there, credit monitoring is kind of a joke as of, as of, you know, giving somebody this because they were, their, their data was leaked. I mean, I understand having credit monitoring is an important thing, but it doesn't really help uh, what happened. No. All right, man. So Randy, you're going to, we're going to keep the ball in court right now. So we got, Ransomware paints a bigger bullseye on targets back from this article on Threat Post. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. I said, what? Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> what, what does this mean? Well, so um, basically, it's saying that there is a large number of people um, of companies that are getting re-attacked after they are hit the first time. There's a couple statistics at play here. We know that over 25% of all businesses that are attacked with a ransomware do nothing. They do nothing whatsoever. Um, And so, you know, other than probably, you know, the boss, you know, sticking their head into the door and 
saying don't click on those emails anymore or however the ransomware got in. Um, we also know that 80% of all businesses that get attacked in the first place with a ransomware are going to get it again. Um, and that's what this article um, goes into. The crazy thing, though, is you're looking at numbers in the 50%. So 68% are hit again within the same month and 50% are hit again within the next week. And they're, they're talking about how they're getting attacked by the same. This was a, um, basically a, a survey of almost 1,500 people that are uh, businesses that had been attacked. But they're talking about how it's the same people, the same organizations that hacked them the first time they pay the money uh, are coming back and hacking them again. And they're also talking about how a lot of times they're losing data in the decryption process or they don't really ever get it all back. Um, we know that the number is only like a third that get all their data back anyway. So so bot bottom line is, I mean, this this to me is the article that the criminals don't want us to talk about, because if people knew that they're most likely going to hit again, get hit again by the same exact people, they wouldn't pay the ransomware in the first place, you know. <laughs> Five years ago, this I don't think this was as prevalent of, of rehitting the same thing, but now they're doing it. Like I said, 50% are within a week. Um, they're getting rehit by by the same people, like right again. So I think I think it was prevalent. I think it, I think it I don't think it's gone down. I uh, I think cyber criminals realize that they can they can do it again. That's what it is. Get away they, with real, it, right. they realize so here's and I'm going to talk a little bit about like why this is happening. Cause Randy said, uh, I forget what you just said right there. You said that this is the article that cyber criminals don't want us to talk about. And I say right. also the article that businesses don't want us talking about <laughs> because this tells you how crappy businesses, cybersecurity is. And what I'm talking about here is right of boom stuff. They're incident response, right? So here's how I've seen this play out at, at businesses, right? They get hit with ransomware. They pay the they pay to get the decryption, right? And the decryption maybe gets back, let's say, 70% of the files, maybe 80. Maybe they got lucky and they got 90%, but they're not getting it all back. You're not getting all your data back when you pay these guys because their decryptions or software sucks, right? So what do you have to do? You have to then go to backups, right? And most companies, this is where they make the mistake. They restore back to the original system with the original stuff. They just go right back. So they, they're getting bad advice from whoever's advising them or whoever's doing their IT. They have no idea how to do this properly. They're not bringing in cybersecurity professionals who will sit there and say, you got to bring in new equipment. You got to you know wipe these machines clean. You know, these are things that are really drastic, really extreme, and are going to cost the business money and downtime. But incident response is expensive, folks. If you get hit with ransomware and you're looking for the cheapest way out of it, you're probably going to end up as an example of this article, which is getting hit again. Mm -hmm. um, that's how I've seen it happen a thousand times. People just think that they can restore from backups to the same systems without doing anything like, hey, we're back up and running. And then two weeks later, boom, they're in the same situation they were in with a bigger ransom demand.
And if you think about it, these numbers are actually probably higher than they're listed because it also doesn't talk about there's definitely a percentage of those businesses that were hit one or two times that weren't able to be hit again because they went out of business. Well, they, they were probably hit again and then they were. <laughs> but yeah, uh, they try to come back up, right? It seems like they always try to come back up, at least limp up a little bit. And then, you know, it could be days, it could be a week or two, but it's not very long and, and they come back and get hit again. So anything else interesting you guys want to talk about in this article? Andre, yeah. you got anything yeah. there? Uh, one other thing is that um, we're not talking about after the remediation, like how did they get in? Are you patching the systems? A lot of times when you need to put in these tools, it needs to kind of like that learning mode for two weeks to kind of like learn the systems before you lock up, lock down the systems. So even when you're trying to remediate or you're changing out the computers, it's so important um, to know that A, it's going to take a long time to recover your data. And while you're recovering the data, this, the hackers can go right back in. Yeah, if you don't if you don't get the underlying problem solved of how they got back in, and you, you don't you don't know how they got back in because you didn't have the telemetry, they're probably going to get back in. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't have the telemetry, you need to stand up all new systems that have never been touched by anybody before, and then. Make sure you're putting in the proper security at that point. So, yeah, that's why um, you don't want to turn it off. You want to isolate it and try to leave it on. So that way a professional can come in and look and, and figure out how it got infected in the first place. You know, what was their, you know, their, their main way in. So then that way you can uh, mitigate that when you come back and block it. Yeah. But if you don't have the proper things turned on, which are a lot of the things that a, a a, a, an incident responder is going to need are things that people typically don't know to turn on. And I'm talking about MSPs, IT professionals that are out there that don't know how to go in and turn on advanced logging on certain things like Windows servers or file shares or things like that. And when these things aren't turned on, you're pretty much in the same boat as if you as if you didn't have it in the first place, you know, because right. you just got to come in, you got to wipe everything because you don't have the ability to look at and say, okay, this is exactly what happened. Um, and a lot of times, people also don't realize that Windows logs on systems, especially if you have an organization with like more than ten people, those logs don't last very long if you don't send them somewhere else, you know, to be stored. Um, you know, if you go over to the server, you, you might have a day or two of logs if you're lucky. Um, and a lot of times that's not enough. So, all right. So we're going to move into another topic here, guys. Um, and that is this Hello XD ransomware. And Ryan, you're going to run, run point on this one. What is Hello XD ransomware and what are they doing? So this, this one's interesting to me. So this is kind of a, a good example of an up-and-comer. So uh, showing the process of how they establish themselves. Um, so this is a particular uh, uh, group that was first observed in November, um, and they have been uh, adding, critiquing, uh, you know, adapting their processes, uh, recently adding a, uh, um, a new backdoor uh, process to help them uh, navigate the compromised system and exfiltrate files. Uh, so... Not very long, November 2021. Um, not a whole lot of uh, in the wild uh, evidence yet for these, but it's it's a group that's being tracked. 
Um, and it, to me, it just shows how how easy it is for uh, these groups to kind of even get started. So we, we've got the larger groups that are breaking up into smaller groups. And now we've got, you know, these smaller groups that are kind of establishing themselves as well. Um, but just showing how they go through the process of, um, you know, pushing something out there, testing. I mean, it's, it's no different than, uh, you know, software development. If you think about it, legitimate software development, you know, you, you have your product, you push it out, you test it, you learn from it, you adapt, and then you, you push out the next version. And really that's, that's what we're seeing right here. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to me uh, to, to see how much of this mirrors what happens in, in legitimate business as well. Yep. So, you know, I look at this from a macro level too, is they're also studying, you know, previous attacks and, and what, what, what has happened in previous attacks very much like Randy said earlier in the show with this cat and mouse game, right? This is the cat and mouse game. They're, they're, they're the mouse and they're trying to figure out what, what the cat's doing. Right. So the cat, in this situation is they know that incident response is not a strong suit, right? So cyber security money and resources are being poured into the defensive side, like preventing that ransomware attack from happening in the first place. But what activity like this tells us is that they're looking at the data and they're saying, man, if we can hit somebody once, we can hit them again. So if we can, drop ransomware but right before we drop ransomware we get a back door in there's a very good chance that they're going to recover back to the system or, or put that back door back into a system that then we can then use later on to hit them again and that's literally like like if we get it in once we need to make sure that we can try to get in again like that's almost like going to be built in now to ransomware like like back doors are going to be dropped in so if you're not doing what we talked about in the last segment, which is wiping everything and starting anew, you're almost guaranteed at this point with this kind of stuff being developed to get hit again. Right? Absolutely. I'm, I'm shaking my head because the article says that they're using a open source backdoor called micro backdoor, which just to me is disconcerting from the fact of you would think that those infected systems would would catch that getting installed on the machines somehow or put on the machines since it's an open source um well known backdoor um if you will so anyway just depends, can't stop on, my head just about depends that. on what it does and how it evades the av i mean right right you you know but chances are if they if you didn't have these layers of defense in the first time when they got in, the chances are you're not going to have them to detect yep. this. So, Andre, you got anything you want to add on this? Is this kind of like make your hair stand up on the back of your neck, knowing that you know they're they're looking at the operations of companies and how they're defending, and they're like, look, here's a major incident response is a major shortfall for a lot of companies like it's just it's that piece of cybersecurity that's kind of like step seven or eight and most businesses are still trying to deal with step one and two um and that, and that's why the hackers are ahead of the game it's like okay you're still trying to figure out how to make your employees not click on stuff and not get infected with ransomware at the endpoint level and we're over here looking at how you're responding to ransomware attacks. And we know that, you know, if we can get in once, we can get in again. That's yeah, <laughs> extremely scary. And, and hopefully this, again, people listening, you know, 
this is why it's so important to take this seriously. They're they're so ahead of us. Us meaning the ones that you know are not doing what you should be doing. Right. We're you know we know what needs to be done. It's just businesses don't you know and there's a there's a long road to hoe here with educating businesses on everything that needs to be done here because I would venture to say if I had 100 CEOs in, in a room and I you know said you know help me understand what a ransomware attack looks like uh, in your business you know I think I would get very much similar to what I talked about which is hey they get in they they encrypt our data and and you know we pay the ransom and we move on it's like no that's not, that's not even close to what's going on here so all right so i'm going to jump into our last topic that we found today for this confluence servers and these confluence servers are interesting to me because this isn't the first time that this um platform has had vulnerabilities um, but we are, they are now using uh, Confluence servers vulnerabilities to deploy Avos Locker uh, and Server 2021 ransomware. Um, again, this is that list that the government has. It says like these are the 15 most, you know, exploited vulnerabilities that we know about that are out there in the wild right now. This is one of them. Um, Confluence is a um, platform where you can collaborate and, and share documents, files, things like that, project management type stuff. But they offer two very distinct flavors of their product. One is a hosted product that you can just go on and, and buy and they host it and they take care of the security and the, and, you know, the patching and the updating of that server. Or you can buy a license and run it on your own cloud server. And a lot of companies, for some reason, they like to do this. Um, and they like to kind of take the responsibility of cybersecurity um, in their own house or, 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 or updating. And, and that's the thing that I think where a lot of businesses get things wrong when it comes to IT and cybersecurity is like, oh, well, it costs this much per month. Let's just say it's $100 per user per month to use Confluence where they take care of all that stuff for you. And then let's say it's $25 a user per month. If it's, you know, or, or maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's just a one-time fee and you can have unlimited users. And that looks so much more attractive. Oh, we just pay a one-time fee and we can get, you know, our thousand employees on this system without, you know, paying a hundred dollars per user. We're going to, we're going to do that. And we're going to have, you know, our IT team, you know, stand up a server and manage it and run it. Um, and that's where they get it wrong. They look at it and they don't look at, the man hours it's going to take for the internal IT team to manage that server and keep it up to date and make sure it's backed up and all the things that you need to make sure that happen. Um, and that gets lost and they end up making decisions to do this. Right. And then what it ends up happening, we end up in this situation. This isn't just with confluence. This is anything that you're running internally. This could be a Microsoft exchange server as we well know that there's vulnerabilities around that. So anything that you're running, that's a server, whether it's exposed to the internet or not, you have more of a risk if it is, but you have these servers that are out there that your team is responsible for doing, and this proves that it's not getting done. These Confluence servers are not being patched. They're out there exposed with active vulnerabilities that allow cyber attackers to take control of these servers and get in God mode, and then that allows them to then deploy ransomware 
to anybody who now visits the site once it's infected. So this could be internal users or external users. So it's a big deal. But again, it's this isn't just picking on Confluence. This this I'm picking on companies that decide it's cheaper for us to just buy a license and run it on our own server with our own internal IT team. Well, guess what? Your internal IT team isn't updating it and it's leaving your business at risk. It's not, and it's not just uh, cost. I mean, that's a big factor too, but another thing I hear a lot and you know, just from, you know, regular businesses, but even, you know, IT organizations, um, I want to have control of my data. I don't want, I don't want it in somebody else's cloud environment. I want it in my environment. That's, that is true as well. Yeah. But then you look at these stories and it's almost always, you know, the, the, the cloud service that, that that particular company runs uh, was not impacted because it was up to date and they were able to take it offline as soon as they knew right about it. It's almost always the people who roll their own server and try and manage it themselves. So, you know, right. whether it's not having the right processes in place or thinking, you know, oh, I'm not going to update this right away. I want to see if it breaks something else, you know, that kind of thing. It's almost always the people who are trying to manage their own server, not the, the company's cloud services that are exposed. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Yeah. Or you can even have something where you have the legacy people. Oh, you know, we, we used to use Confluence. Now we went to SharePoint, but for our archive and, you know, once in a while we need to go back in and check something, but it's fully online. Nobody's paying attention to it, but it is online. And then this is another way for them to get in. And that's how a lot of the big attacks that we've seen over the last couple of years have been. It's been something old that is not being used anymore that's still sitting out there exposed, but nobody's paying attention to it. Yep. Yeah, 100%. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I, I, use, I tell people this all the time. If you don't have security professionals in your organization, you just have an IT department, they're really not thinking about security like they should. Their job is to get it working and running so your business can can operate and can use the tool. They're not really thinking about security. And depending on your organization, your, your IT people are probably stretched thin as it is. So to pile things like security or patch management on top of what they, they, they do on a daily basis, you could find yourself in a situation, and we see this a lot with with companies is that their IT team is stretched so thin. There's only so many hours in the day that this stuff just doesn't get done. We, I, and I've also seen it where companies don't even plan for this stuff. They don't even, you know, it's not on their radar um, that this, these things need to be done on a regular basis. And, you know, those are the scenarios that I see. So scary guys. I don't know. It's uh it's, it's we got to step it up, but these are all the things that that people need to realize. And I think, you know, not to toot our own horn, but as businesses move along here, they're going to see that trying to do all this internally is is really really hard unless you have a significant IT department. You know, um, so I, I would venture to say that if you're a company between 100 and 500 employees, you're probably in that situation where you need some kind of outsourced security to come in and help your organization. Like to, to, to think that your team that you currently have can, can handle this and do this. Uh, I think you're, you're introducing some risk in your business that you might not realize is, is there because um, you know, the guys that are working in the IT department are not going to come to you and tell you that this stuff isn't getting done. In fact, they're going to tell you it probably is getting done because they're worried about losing their job. Um, so, 
these are the things we're seeing out there. Just be aware. So, and, and uh, if you want to think about it in a different way too, to, to really drive it home is, is the bad guys are doing this, right? The bad guys are outsourcing different components of what they're doing uh, in order to be able to manage that. So like to level the playing field, you need to make sure that you have uh, specialists and professionals doing these, these different layers. You can't just depend on uh, the people who have been doing support and mapping printers for you to be able to do this, this next level type of stuff. Yeah, setting up networks. It's the difference between getting the baby there and getting the baby there safely, right? Cybersecurity professionals are worried about getting the baby there safely. IT people are just worried about getting the baby there. So if that means strapping the kid on your back and riding them on the motorcycle with no helmet, so be it, right? It works. High five. Woohoo, right? But no, a cybersecurity professional is going to come in with a different perspective. And in my experience, the person who's really good at setting up that network is probably doesn't have the right personality and is not the right fit to be doing the security. That's just my experience. They're two different types of, of personality sets that you want for those roles. So trying to force the network infrastructure guy into security is not the greatest idea. Yeah. Um, you know, he might be that that person might be a great person. They might be your superstar IT. You know, he's been, been with you for many many years. It doesn't mean. You know, it's the same conversation you have in sales, right? Your best salesperson might not be the best sales manager. It's a totally different skill set, right? And that's how you need to think about this because I think a lot of people miss the fact, especially in IT, that not all IT people are created equal and we can't do everything, right? I think that's one of the big things is that when you see an IT guy, people look at him and go, well, they can do anything on a computer. And that's not the case anymore. It's not 1998, <laughs> um, and that's just the reality. So, you know, I, I, I used to have people tell me back in the day, guys, that my our field was going to be obsolete because everybody's going to, you know, work, you know, be born with computers, so they're automatically going to know how to run them and work them, and you know, we're not going to need IT guys, you know, in the future. And it's like, you know. We talked about this before. There's, there's people that know how to drive cars and there's people that know how to fix them, right? And that's, you know, that's... And, you know, and now your car needs cybersecurity too because it's all computerized. That's the problem. You know, there's a lot of people who know how to use computers now. I know a mechanic that can secure your car. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Thank you. Good show. Good topics. Good information. Anything else you want to add before we uh, sign off? Make sure you share. Get this information. Sure, sure. We need to we're, know. Coming after, we're coming after you. So, mm -hmm. all right, guys, look for us on your podcasting platform. We're going to try to post these videos around the same time, the videos along with the audio. And make sure you download us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And we'll see you in the next episode. Take care, everyone. All right. Have a good one.